Hey, welcome in to Talking Catholic with David O'Gray. I am glad to have you back in here. Um, have a wonderful show lined up for you today. We have Teresa Tamio from Catholic Connection on the Ave Maria radio fame. She'll be talking about her newest book, Listening for God. Um, subtitle, you've heard a, well, you've heard a co of coincidence, right? You guys heard of coincidences. Um, well, we're going to be, um, Teresa is going to be telling you what a God incidence is. So that's, that's really interesting. And I'm sure you guys had them. Once she explains what it is, I'm sure you'll, you'll relate. And um, what else here? So if you're a member of the St. Dominic's team on my Patreon, if you're a member of the St. Dominic's team, remember you get a free copy of this book this month. Or if you're not a member, um, if you sign up this month, you'll get a free copy of this book. So it's advantageous for you to sign up and get a, and join my book of the month club and you'll get this book for, for free. Um, very awesome book. Um, also you can, um, if, if somehow you can reason it in your head that a free book doesn't make sense, you can just go to Sophia press and buy it for yourself. Um, there's a Sophia Institute press. There's a link in the description that'll take you straight there. And I can't wait for you to hear more about this book coming up. If you have any questions or comments for Teresa, please feel free to drop them in the comment box below, as you guys always do, and I'll be sure to get to them. Also, tune in later for um, the maiden voyage of the David L. Gray Show on Guadalupe Radio Network at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, this broadcast right here, this will be our first broadcast, so it's just going to be a media stream. It's going to be on the YouTube and the Facebook pages on Guadalupe Radio. Guadalupe Radio. So you go to their Facebook, their Facebook page or YouTube. But starting next week, it'll be on all 37 of their stations at the 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. So you can listen on their app. You can still get the media stream. Or if you have a Guadalupe Radio Network station in your vicinity, you can listen there. So lots going on, right, in the world today in Washington. So we're going to get um, some of Teresa's thoughts on everything that, that's going on before we get into her book. And so Stay tuned. We will begin right after this eight-second introduction to Talking Catholic. Hey, Teresa Tamio. Hey, Welcome to Talking Catholic. David. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and congratulations on, on this podcast, but also on joining uh, my wonderful friends at the Guadalupe Radio Network. Great team of people over there. I love them dearly, so congrats to you. Yeah, we'll see how long it lasts. So, <laughs> oh, I have a feeling you're going to be a lifer, as they say. I think you're going to be there for a long, long time. You do a great job, and I know that your podcast is very popular. It's an honor to be with you. Thanks for having me on the program. Yeah, and I had Steve Ray on here um, a few weeks ago, maybe in December. Um, and so I know that he is in your book, so we'll talk about that as well. But what's going on? I know on a Catholic Connection, you've been doing that for, for man, going on what? Almost 20 years. Yeah, 19. Yeah. And I started, I'm only 25. I'm, as I said to you earlier, prep for the show, I'm trying to figure out as all that's happened. I'm still so young. Now it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's, it's amazing. What a gift it's been. Um, and actually in the media now coming up at my 40th year in the media, because I graduated from college in 1981 with my journalism degree and started working in my hometown here in Detroit at Motown and been on the air ever since. So it's uh, amazing how God took me from 
the secular media to the Catholic media. So yeah, this will be my 19th year this year with Catholic Connection. Yeah, and those of us who have listened to you for, for so long, I didn't know when I started listening to you, I didn't know, you, yeah, you. I guess you were maybe in your sixth, probably around your sixth year. So I didn't know, yeah, so I was kind of catching you early, but so those yeah. of us who have been listening to you for a long time, we kind of followed your journey, we followed you and Dominic, your husband. Mm -hmm. So we've been following you for, for quite a long time. So we know a lot about you. We're like all your friends, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> But what's going on in the in the world today? What do you think about everything that's going uh, on? Pick one. Uh, I don't know. Washington, COVID. Well, I, I think I, what probably what gets to me the most is is because of my background is in media. I have a journalism degree, and I spent you know twenty years in the industry as an award winning journalist. And I'm just heartbroken over the the media and the misinformation and what the media are doing. They have a lot to do with what's going on in the world right now, especially now with the big tech tech companies. And just it's so many people, if they're not listening to programs like yours or mine, they don't get the truth of what's going on. And we are entering into, I think we're already there now, it's happening at, at breakneck speed into a real challenging time. And, and not just for Catholics, but anyone who disagrees with these core messages um, of the extreme left. If you are not pro-abortion, if you are not, you know, for anything under the sun that they say is acceptable, not only is acceptable, but that you have to believe uh, it's it's we're in for some tough times now we know god is bigger than all of this yeah. and we know we we have prayer we have him and that he wins the end but in the meantime we have to remain strong and i get really frustrated especially though with the way the media portray things it's just the opposite of what is really happening everything that they're accusing um, pro-life people family people you know catholics and other christians of or even anyone slightly conservative they're doing in droves and you know it's it's isaiah you know calling evil good and good evil yeah. and we're in the midst of that right now and so it's very frustrating for me to see the industry that i was a big part of and that i love because when journalism is done well it can make a real difference but the the journalists that are really interested in basic reporting and informing the public it's a handful a very small handful and they're swimming upstream it's very difficult i have some friends here in my hometown of Detroit that still work in the secular media and they're just, they're really frustrated with what's going on. They're trying to leave. It, it, it's a tough thing as I left and, and you have this battle going on. Well, should I stay? Should I go? If I, if I go, maybe I'm giving in. But at the same time, it's like beating your head against a brick wall. And when I left, and this was again, over 20 years ago, I've just got so tired of the sensationalism, the bias, the blood and gut stories, uh, the way we stereo, uh, stereotype different minority groups. It was just awful. And I said, this is not reporting. This is just sensationalism. And I didn't feel like my talents were being used, so I left. Um, and many, it's it's much worse now than when I left over 20 years ago. So it's it breaks my heart, and, and mostly because people are being greatly misinformed. And, and there's propaganda. We have friends of ours, a deacon couple. Uh, he was ordained a year before my husband, and we became very close to them during diaconate formation. And they were born and raised in Poland, and they left Poland to get away from the communist regime. And they're saying everything that's happening that happened to us in Poland, it's happening here. And they talk about the propaganda and the brainwashing that goes on. And also the 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 fighting and the and and this is what they do. They want to have this class warfare. I mean, this is history. Look around at the world. And it's happening right under our noses and it's heartbreaking. And, and the media have a lot to do with that. And it really is uh, very heartbreaking for me, but also frightening for me. Yeah. I've never seen anything um over the past four years, how Hollywood and media and politicians coalesce together mm -hmm. to have a cohesive agenda and messaging. 
And but I want to ask you this, since you you know you're a professional in media, you know, when you're listening to one of the major news networks and you hear the way they use words and craft stories and the way they end, they'll end uh, a sentence with a, 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 an accusation sort of or you're a, a, a lie. Who writes those stories? Is it like, you know, the person saying it or is, do they have writers that craft these, use these words in this way? That's a great question. It's a combination of things, depending on, on um, you know, a person's contract. Normally anchors, at least when I was in, in television news, anchors don't do that much rating. They're literally anchors. They get up there, they're on camera, they read the news. Uh, it depends. Sometimes it's changing because now um, the media are, are really suffering financially as well for a lot of different reasons. And so sometimes they are asked to do other things besides sit up there and look nice and, and read the news. But usually what happens and what you're seeing, and I and, and it's so frustrating for me because in my show, as you know, David, I do a 15-minute newscast. And I do that purposely because I want people not to have to turn to, heaven forbid, one of the mainstream networks is going to misinform them even more. So I take it upon myself to write the news. And we subscribe to a news service, but it's secular. So I have to rewrite so much of what's on there because it's so biased. Let me give an example. So this morning I'm, I'm doing a newscast and I'm talking about all these people being knocked off of this, that, and the other thing, right? And I'm talking about parlor being dropped, right? Mm -hmm. And they they consistently, and this is not just this wire service, they consistency, consistently refer to parlor as the app for ex right-wing extremists and conservative politicians. First of all, it was an independent app and they came out with it because people, not just conservatives, so people were tired of being monitored 24 seven, having ads pushed in their face all the time. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to come up with, with a different alternative. Now, a lot of conservatives went there because they were upset with what was happening on Facebook. But every time you see a story now and every time you hear it, you will hear Parley referred to as an extremist, an app for extremists. And so what happens is you have wire services. And unless you take the time to rewrite the, the copy, mm. a wire service is given to an operation so they can usually use it and get the information out there quickly. Okay. There are a lot of different wire services. Uh, the New York Times has one. The LA Times has one. Of course, we have the usual AP, Associated Press and whatnot. But these wire services regurgitate the same stories over and over again in the uh. same language. And those are often used by local and national uh, TV networks and radio networks as well. So you get this bias repeated over and over and over again, and you get this message and people start thinking that it's true. It's, it's, it's total, it's such a sham and propaganda and it's not news. Yeah, so, saying, so that makes a lot of sense. That's why it sounds like everybody's saying the same thing all the time. Exactly. <laughs> so I didn't know right. if they get like a memo in the morning or something, but okay. that it It's makes pretty close to that. In my first book, Noise, it came out in, uh, I think it was 2007. I actually said I agreed with um, Bernie Goldberg. He's written some great books on bias as well, that I didn't think there was actually a, a you know consortium that was getting together every day talking about it. But there has to be some sort of communication going on now because the language and the phrasing is exact. I mean, it's to the point where you, you, you could just take your remote and go from CNN to MSNBC to whatever, and you could see them using the, the same phrases. So they're, they're getting those talking points from somewhere, and they're agreeing to repeat the same stories over and over again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, amazing. Um, let's back up. A little bit, because I know a lot of people know you. I know a lot of people in my audience know you. People are going to watch this later. Everyone knows you. But for someone who's just tuning in to the YouTubes, bumped into David L. Gray, um, who's this lady who's ta he's talking to? Tell me a little bit about, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to the Catholic Church? You told us about your journey from secular media to Catholic media, but tell us right. a little bit about your, your faith journey. 
Well, I was a, I'm a cradle Catholic. I was born and raised in the church and um, I was born on the East Coast. So I'm originally a Jersey girl, but my father was transferred for a job to uh, Southeastern Michigan. So I, I grew up, was raised in here in the Detroit area where I still live. Uh, my husband is a deacon in the archdiocese almost nine years now. And he's also from the East Coast, from Northeastern Pennsylvania and was recruited by the engineering firm where he worked. He just recently retired for um, over 40 years. So I, I grew up Catholic, went to a great Catholic school. And when I made my first Holy Communion, for whatever reason, I, I just connected. I just knew that that was Jesus. Hmm. And so I look back now and I realize that even though I didn't have a head knowledge, I had a heart knowledge. Nobody had to tell me that that was real. And as I drifted away during my professional years in the secular media, uh, I could never, when I finally started to come back, I knew that the Catholic Church was home. I, I just knew, maybe it was the reporter in me, I just realized that everybody can't be right. You can't have the Catholic Church. And then with all due respect to my Protestant brothers and sisters, because they've been amazingly supportive and helped me on my journey. Hmm. But you can't have so many different um, churches and so many thousands of denominations some believing in once saved, always saved, some not, some believing in saints, some not. I mean, some believing in infant baptists, somebody's got to be right. And so the reporter in me, it forced me to do some more research on my faith. Plus, I, I love the saints and I love all of, as we say, as cradle Catholics, the smells and bells of the Catholic Church. Yeah. So I, I again, I grew up, um, went to high school and college, fell away. I didn't like to have this you know, moment where I said, I'm done with the Catholic Church. It was really just that the world pulled me in and I was so career oriented. So I lost sight of God. I kind of pushed him to the sidelines. And then I um, graduated, started working here in the Metro Detroit area in Radio News, met this wonderful guy. I should have known then that God was in charge because I said I was never going to get married. I'm not going oh, to get married. Marriage is not for me. And then a week after I graduate, I meet this guy and I'm like, uh oh, he's really <laughs> cute. Something's going on. Yeah. So that should have been a clue, right? That I was not in charge, that God was in charge. But anyway, we got married and we just celebrated actually 37 years, praise God, of marriage. And we were both um, a Catholic, Italian-American Catholic, very similar backgrounds. Uh, we were very both career uh, oriented and we were very, very interested in, you know, getting that first house and making the money and making a mark for ourselves, the yuppie thing, the young urban professional. And it's not that we uh, didn't, um, that we hated the church in any way. It just wasn't, we didn't have a relationship with Christ. We were married in the Catholic church. But mass was something that we did if we had time, if it didn't interrupt our Sunday schedule too much. And gradually, uh, we were so um, consumed by our careers and our success that we grew apart. And it was a, this is the whole thing about this book, why it's so good for people, because these are these God sentences that you mentioned in the intro, the way God will walk into your life. And if you can step back and realize that it's just too coincidental when things just fall into the place the way they do, in various points of your journey, but we were invited to a Detroit Pistons basketball game. And this was back in the nineties when they were actually winning in terms of the, uh, you know, national championships back then. And we were invited by my boss who had front row seats in the palace of Auburn Hills. Right. Oh. And this was a Sunday afternoon and Dominic and I were home because we weren't going to mass. We were home and the phone rings and it's my boss. And she says, we've got tickets. We'd like you guys to join us. Now, normally my husband who loves sports, especially basketball, would have been all over that. But he's like, oh, please, not more time with you media people. You people, all you do is talk shop and I don't <laughs> think I can handle it anymore. You were already, our marriage was already strained, right? But he said, okay, it's your boss, we'll go. But we come to find out later that we were the last people, David, on that list of invitations. Everybody else had plans. Everybody else was busy, which if you think about it, is pretty darn amazing because this was a championship game 
oh. front row seats at the Palace of Auburn Hills. Okay, so we were right there, you know, with the bad boys and the Detroit Pistons. Nobody was available except us. Well, we go there. And my boss's husband, who happened to be a wonderful evangelical brother in the Lord, I must have sensed something was going on. I had known him for a while because he worked in radio and we had worked together at a previous station. And he must have sensed that there was something wrong. And he asked Dominic, he said, um, what do you do on Monday nights? And Dom says, well, you know, Teresa's is working. I'm probably usually just home watching Monday night football. And he says, well, we have a, um, a men's Bible study. Why don't you come and join us? Mm-hmm. And my husband is an engineer. Okay. So, and he has like the paralysis of over analysis. It takes him like 15 years to buy a shirt. He's got to figure <laughs> out if it's going to work here, work there. Maybe not 15 years, maybe five. I always tease him about this. He's probably in the other room listening right now, but he said yes right away. Like, instantaneously said yes to this Bible study. And he said, it's really cute when we share our testimony together as a deacon couple. He says he wanted to turn around to see who said that because that's so not like him. Mm -hmm. So he goes to this Bible study and lo and behold, he discovers who knew the Catholic church in the Bible, recognizing they were studying the Old Testament at the time, recognizing in Exodus and Deuteronomy, you know, the altar and the Lamb of God and all these things that, you know, and the the preparing of the altar, which he recognized as an altar boy because he was an altar boy in a Catholic church in his hometown. And he became this on fire Catholic. I I didn't know who I was married to at that point. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this guy's just, you know, he's out there. But (laughs) gradually I realized that he was starting to change and he was becoming uh, much more peaceful, much more gentle. And right about that time, my career I thought was, was going gangbusters. So we were drifting more and more apart, even as he got more into a relationship with God. But then God stepped in and allowed something um, to happen to me that finally woke me up. And that was I lost my job overnight. I was fired. They were changing. They were tweaking the news program. Ratings were down. They let me go. Another anchor. For, there's, I was a reporter and anchor at that time at this particular station. The two reporters, myself and another anchor, within like a week were all let go because they were refurbishing the newscast. And I was devastated. Yeah. But about six months into being unemployed, I realized, you know what? I, I can't live this way anymore. I realized when I had to look myself in the mirror and all that time off that something had to change. And at that point, when I was unemployed, Dominic and I had started to heal our marriage and went to counseling. So that was starting to, to get better. But I didn't know what God wanted me to do. And so I, I looked at the crucifix that still hangs in our bedroom. And I said, OK, if you're the Jesus I met when I made my first Holy Communion, come back into my life because I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I mean, it wasn't a formal prayer. It was just SOS help, you know? Yeah. And within a few weeks, I had an answer. Um, and I was offered a big job on another TV station. And I wasn't sure if I was quote unquote hearing from God, as we say in the book. Mm-hmm. And I went to my husband and I said, well, what do you think? And he said, well, let's pray about it. And we re- we decided after prayer that God was bringing me back into the news business. So to make this very long story short, there's a lot of amazing things that happened in between. But I worked at this very big ABC affiliate um, for many years. And yet, Uh, while I was in it, because I was getting more involved in my faith at the time, I started to realize that I was a fish out of water because I was growing in my relationship with God and God was revealing all these things to me about the media, the media bias and the sensationalism. And I felt very uncomfortable and realized at some point, a few years into that, that I could no longer remain in the secular media. And so I took a leap of faith in the year 2000 and said, okay, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do, but here I am. I've come to do your will. It's been a good run, 20 years on the air. If I never get back on the air, that's fine. Whatever you want me to do. 
And that's the thing I think that's so important about the book is that what you notice in all the contributors is they all submit to God. And, and that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest thing that we have to do. Number one, I say there's the three S's and I'll get it, get into that a little bit. But the first thing is submission. You are God and I am not. And when you say that to God, it allows him to work in you. It's like beautiful, that beautiful verse in Revelation. I stand at the door and knock. And if you yeah. open the door, I will come in and dine with you. And so in that submission, God was able to say, okay, now we've got something here. Now we can move <laughs> forward, Miss Italian stubborn person that you are. That was yeah. me talking. God would never say that. He's so loving. But anyway, so eventually, step by step, he brought me out of the secondary media and into Catholic radio. And here I am almost 20 years later, still on the air. Crazy. If you would have told me when I was, this, you know, highfalutin anchor person that I'd be on Catholic radio and writing books and giving my testimony. Yeah. And it's like, no and way. Cruises and tours yeah. around the world. Yeah. Right. That's like, yeah. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. God sees it coming. We don't. Yeah, exactly. This, I think this is like your 12th book, I believe, listening yeah. to God, discovery, mm-hmm. discovery, um, the incredible ways God speaks to us. This is your latest. Um, it has 25 very interesting, compelling short stories. I think five of them are yours. When I was reading, I think the first one, I got chills. We'll talk about it in a moment because talking about the conductor that you oh, saw. Oh, yeah. Um, but what what is this book? What is what is this book? Well, it's it's you just described it beautifully, David. It's it's stories of people who've had um God winks or God sentences, as you mentioned in the intro, where things just seem too coincidental. You're praying, uh, you're thinking about someone, and all of a sudden their favorite song pops up on the radio, or they call you, or you're praying and you drive down the street and you turn and there's a marquee in front of a church and it says the a scripture quote that was on your heart or on your mind. Or, uh, you know, for example, you uh, have a coincidence that something happens in your faith life where someone comes up to you, you're thinking and praying about something, which actually happened to my husband in the diaconate and discerning something. And somebody comes up out of the blue and says, I think you need to do this. And it's exactly what you were praying about. We all have those experiences, but a lot of us don't think that it's from God. And so I've actually been been keeping what I call a God wings journal for a long time. And given everything that's happened in our world in the last year with COVID and so many people really saying, where is God in all of this? I want people to look back. And as it says in the Old Testament, I think it's Joshua, remember what the Lord has done. Mm -hmm. We all have things that God has done for us. And we can draw on that and say, look, God doesn't abandon us. He gives us free will. He allows things to happen for reasons beyond our comprehension, but he's never abandoned us. And there's so many different stories in this book and they're very different and the people are very different. And so God speaks to each person differently. And I know that someone will identify with one or more of the people in the book. And it's a very easy read. It's it's a very um, non-threatening read. It's you have someone in your life that isn't all there with their faith. You can just say, hey, this is a very inspiring and encouraging book. Yeah, yeah, and I like that when I was reading it. Just, like you said, it goes it goes pretty fast. They're short mm-hmm. stories, but they're compelling. And I was thinking, well, what you know? Why would someone you know? Why would I you know have this as as my book for my book of of, of the month um, for my, my club? And I think is that when people read these stories, even though they're other people's stories, for the same reason we may read a biography, autobiography, right? There's something in those stories that touch us. And every like you said, everyone has their own. I, I think what it helps is that it helped me kind of look back and like, oh, okay, there's something in my life like that. It helps you discern and look back like, hey, look at God. And so it gives you sort of a structure and a framework to start listening, but and being being silent. But what I know you mentioned the three S's. I want you to talk about that. 
but when I was reading the book, um, I noticed that a lot of similarities in the stories was that um, it was always God's timing. It wasn't our doing. We didn't engineer any of these God incidents, coincidences, God winks. It was sort of him deciding to step into that space on his timing. Does that, is, is, did yeah, you, did absolutely. You that similar? Yeah, I, I think absolutely. And everybody describes it. And I think of my friend, Kathy Crombie, who is a pro-life leader in Southeastern Michigan and a prominent local speaker who lost her husband suddenly uh, from a heart attack uh, last year. And, and it was um, just horrible because I, I had just seen him a few weeks before. And yet prior to his sudden death, she had been going through a very intense Ignatian retreat. And God had been preparing her all that time. And as, as they were deciding in terms of what was going to happen to him, and eventually he, had, he was horrible, he had to be pulled off of life support. And she had the priest there. And of course, the, the, um, the church was there with her all the way. But she said she wouldn't have been able to go through the decisions that she had to make. Not only that, but the things that were happening around her with the medical people and some of the things that happened. And I don't want to give the whole story away. But it was God's timing because she had... Uh, plan to be in that retreat, not knowing why, but she thought, you know, I just feel I really need to do this. I just really need to do this. So it's it's pretty incredible, that story. And then there was a, a really um, delightful story of a friend of mine, another pro-life worker. She's now in the state of Indiana, who was just starting as her first day as a volunteer at one of our pregnancy centers here in Detroit. And she was fired up and she had all of her information and she was gung-ho to this young girl walks in. She's an abortion-minded client, and so she sits her down and you know uh, loves on her and says we could help you. Gives her you know, all the information. The girl says, "Nope, I'm having this abortion. My boyfriend just wanted me to come here, and I didn't want to lie to him, so I just want to tell him I did come. But I'm I'm I made an appointment already. I just wanted to say I was here, so I didn't have to lie to my boyfriend. Thank you very much." So the young woman walks out, and my friend is just beside herself thinking she failed. Oh, she didn't do everything correctly. Yada, 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 pity party. You know, you want some cheese with that wine. She's just crying and everything. So all of a sudden the young woman goes and she's trying to get to work and she ends up getting into a fender bender at a very busy street in Detroit. Nothing major, thanks be to God, but the police come and the police say, by any chance, ma'am, are you pregnant? And she says, well, yes, I am. Well, they haul her off to the local ER and she has to have an ultrasound. And during the ultrasound, she sees the baby waving, hi, mom. Almost like saying hi, right? Because she sees the image of the baby on the ultrasound. And she bursts into tears and she decides to have the child. Yeah. So we call that chapter the accident that was no accident. Yeah. And God decided to move when he thought it was necessary. And my friend is so cute. She goes, you know what? Just shut up and get out of the way. God is God. <laughs> So there's stories like that. There's, again, there's some very serious stories. Uh, there's a beautiful story about Al Cresta in there who has uh, returned to a love of his music, something yeah. that a lot of people might know, but he's also a very talented musician. And a sweet story about how that journey back to picking up music again was affirmed out of the blue, so to speak. Yeah. So, I had no idea because I was reading his story. And I yeah. Was like, he has the he he went to um he, he had a little journey before he went to Michigan Michigan State Michigan State yeah it's, like, mm -hmm. it's a really fascinating journey with Al Cresta in there yeah so, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he's it's such a sweet story because you know he's just super intellect and he's this amazing guy and he's a really good friend. I've known him for years, but he's got this very sweet side to him and he loves music and he actually has a beautiful voice. And a lot of people they hear his speaking voice, which is also very nice, but they don't know that he has a wonderful singing voice. So it's a really sweet story. And then Steve Ray's is really cute about the dream uh, leading to footprints mm -hmm. of God. Just incredible stories, really. Yeah. yeah. And um, so your story gave me the chills. So you're you and Dominic, you guys are it's like it looks like it's late at night. You're like in this train station. And so what's what's going on there? Well, we um, we were celebrating our um, anniversary. I think it was our 25th anniversary. We were in this beautiful area of Italy known as the five lands are called the Cinque Terre. And we were so proud of ourselves because what you do in Cinque Terre is you can't drive a car. So you have to take the train. Uh, to the particular town that you want to visit, or you can go by boat. So we were staying north of the area. We took the train to the southernmost town, and there's this beautiful hike that you can walk. And it's about seven miles, and it's above the Mediterranean. It's so romantic. And so we're so proud of ourselves. We're navigating all of this, you know, and we're doing great. And so about, um, I think it was about six or seven o'clock, we stop at one of the final towns, this beautiful little town of Vernazza, to have our anniversary dinner. We go down to the town, have this beautiful dinner on the coast. And we remembered that the train, the Cinque Terre Express, had like one last um, ride back to our town where we were staying um, at 10 o'clock. So we got done at 9.30, got up, we got the train. We're like, we are so all that in a bag of chips. We're so good at all this stuff. So all of a sudden, we're in the middle of the mountains in between these teeny tiny towns. And the train stops at this dark station. And the conductor comes by and says, Niamo, Niamo, get off, you know, leave, 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 go, go, go. And we're like, hey, we got our ticket. We're supposed to be here. Just shoes everybody off. Everybody leaves. There's nobody there at this little teeny train station, dark except like one or two, you know, street lamps. And there's a little bench. The office is closed. And I'm like, well, isn't this interesting? I guess we're going to be sleeping on that bench tonight, you know, or we're going to walk in the middle of the woods. We, we didn't know where we were. We knew we were maybe five minutes closer to our town, but we were in the middle of nowhere. And Dominic's trying to get a signal on his phone. And I'm like, I swear that guy told us if we got on the blah, blah. All of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see this man that seemed to be dressed like a conductor or an officer or something, you know, very distinguished, standing there, looking down at his phone. And then he turns to us, but he's about maybe 10, 15 feet away. Now, there's nobody else there, David. And and all of a sudden, he just literally, I, he, he wasn't there, then he was there, because I saw him out of the corner of my eye all of a sudden. And he says to me, in very good English, which in the small towns in Italy is is um, is very unusual. Now, also unusual is because obviously Dominic and I look our heritage, right? We look Italian. And usually people in Italy speak to us in Italian. So it was unusual that he was speaking to me right away in English. And he, and he said, um, uh, ma'am, you need to get back on the train. You and your husband need to get back on the train. Sit there for about 15 minutes and then you'll go off back to your town. And I, and I start going, Boo! he's like, just trust me. Just get back on the train. You'll be fine. Okay, what else? Nothing else to do. So we get back on the train, and as we were stepping onto the train, I turn to thank him, and he's gone. Now, there was nobody there. So any type of movement, and I think it was a wooden platform, if I remember correctly, you would have heard. But I, it was just the, the most amazing thing. And so I even asked one of our experts at EW10 who's written books on angels. I said, uh, Father, what do you think? And he said, oh, yeah, that was definitely, that's how God works. He will, he will you know bring angels to you. He says, you were celebrating your anniversary. You were thanking God for healing your marriage. Yeah. You know, you were asking for help and there you go. Yeah. It's just, yeah, still, I still get chills when I think about it. 
Yeah, that, that is amazing. So we're talking with Teresa Tamio about her book, Listening for God. You can buy it at Sophia Institute Press. You can get it there if you're a member of my book club. You can get it for free if you're my St. Dominic's uh, Patreon member on uh, Patreon. You can get it for free this month if, if you join as well. So yeah, Teresa Thomas, you're talking about her book. So you were talking about, um, a minute ago, you are talking about uh, the construct um, or the three S's. What, mm -hmm. what are you mm -hmm. about? Yeah, um, the three S's. So the first one, as I mentioned earlier, would be submission. So if you want to hear from God, you first have to recognize that God is God and you are not. <laughs> In this world today, you don't see too much of that anymore, unfortunately, right? Yeah. Everybody thinks that's that, pretty revolutionary. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, uh, go figure. So, and I say, say that we have to do that every day. And it's not just a one-time prayer. It's not just saying a prayer and entering into that relationship. Um, we believe in getting up and, and doing that over and over again as Catholics, right? You know, Philippians 2.12, as St. Paul said, working out our salvation in, in fear and trembling every single day. So we, we every day commit ourselves and recommit ourselves to Christ because that allows Christ, as I said earlier with my story, when you submit, it allows him to work with you in, in his plan, his will for your life. Number two is to be in scripture every day. Oh. Scripture is really important to me and Dom because as I mentioned earlier, we came back to the faith through a Bible study. And so we try to do the readings together every day. Sometimes if he has to serve mass, it doesn't work out or if I have to do something for the show, but we've been pretty good at it. We started that shortly after we came back to the Catholic church and it's made such a difference, but scripture is our love letter from God. And so if you hear from God every day through the mass readings, which is very easy to do because it's all organized for us, you'll start to notice a pattern. You'll learn more about scripture. You'll learn more about Jesus and things will start being clear and making sense to you. And then last is um, silence, so to silence yourself so you can hear from God. There's so much noise in our world. It's really important to find that quiet time. I mean, even from good shows like yours and mine, to turn everything off every once in a while and just sit before the Lord in silence. So um, submission, scripture, and silence. Yeah, yeah. And how, how do you and Dominic do that? Do you guys like read, read out loud or... You know, for couples out there, couples might be interested in that. I mean, yeah. how, do you, how do you guys how do you guys do it? We use um, the Word Among Us, and we're old school. We actually like the hard copy. You know, it's something about being, you know having that that, old, that book in your hand, right? You guys, so, you guys actually get this book in the mail. Yes, right? we get Word Among Us, and they publish one of my books. They're a great publishing company based not far from me in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So it's wordamongus.org. You can order it online. You can also subscribe online. But I like the I like the actual hard copy book. So we read. Yeah, usually Tom does the reading. And uh, then there's a reflection, and then we usually talk about it. This takes maybe about 15, 20 minutes, but it really starts our day. And it's just it's just kind of funny because sometimes, and you know this, I mean, you're a theologian, you know so much more than I do about about the faith in scripture. But doesn't it seem like God like rearranges the readings just for your particular thing that you're going through that day? And I'm like, oh, you are just showing off. Come <laughs> on, you know you're God and everything. But it just seems like that so many times. You're looking at this as like. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Wow! Wow! Yes, wow! The Psalms. I think the Psalms really yes. kind of speak to me, like almost every day. Like, oh, really? Like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I get it. I get the message. Yeah. Yeah, that is great. And um, so. I also noticed about the book. One thing I really liked about the structure of the book, you guys, you guys got to get this book. If you're not a member of the book club, you guys got to go to St. Saint, Sophia's to press to get this book by Teresa Tamio. It is listening for God. And one thing that you really like about the structure of the book is that it's not just these a bunch of little great stories and they're real. They're not antecedents or anything like that. Right. They're real stories. Um, but also at the end of each chapter, 
there's a reflection, there's scripture at the end of each chapter, and there's questions. Yes. And so there's yes. a story and then there's dialogue. I'm so glad you brought that up because I always like to get people to go a little bit further. And so we decided to have each of the contributors write the reflection questions, pick a quote from their favorite saint, and then also have words of wisdom so people can go further. And then at the end of the book, I have resources for some of my favorite Bible studies and you know, different Catholic media outlets and whatnot. And so really using it as a study and you can do it as a personal study. You can also do it as a group study. I know a lot of people are doing different um, things online, which is kind of fun. So again, it's it's just, I think it, it will help people dive a little bit more deeply into their faith. Yeah, that's, that's even more interesting because I thought that was just something that Sophia Press maybe have done in, you know, in, 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 um, in the copy editing phase or the editing phase of the book, you know, maybe somebody added that, but each author actually yeah. added their own, yeah. their own stuff at the end. We wanted, I, I, I decided to do that. Um, and Sophia Press is amazing. They turned this book around so quickly. They're, this is the second book I've done with them. This is um, the second book I actually wrote in 2020. I wasn't traveling for speaking engagements, so I, I just wrote a lot. <laughs> I had nothing else to do, <laughs> right? I had the radio show in the morning and working on that. And in between, I was just kept writing, you know? Yeah. But no, they're amazing to work with. And, and I told them, I said, what do you think? And they said, that's a great idea because then it, it will um, cause the reader, I think, to think again more deeply about the message. And the big thing is many people feel um, a sense of despair right now, uh, despondency, wondering again, as I said, at the beginning of the year, where God is. But when you read these stories, and having those exercises, as we were saying earlier, it's really going to help people, I think, David, realize that, gosh, maybe that was God speaking to me. That wasn't just, you know, a coincidence. God was trying to answer my prayer. He was reminding me he was there. And causing people to think about all the things that have happened to them, very similar to what's happened to the contributors in the book. And I think if people start thinking about it, they'll soon have their own God Winks journal. Yeah, yeah, God Winks. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, everybody should have a, a journal. When I, you know, many years ago, um, you know, I used to, I still have it, you know, but I stopped put writing in my journal, man, after I got got married, because it kind of it seemed like the end of the the journey, right? Because I was on this sermon for priesthood and then, well, maybe I'm called to marriage. And then after I got married, I stopped writing it, but I really need to go back because I read it. I mean, there's so many things there that, that you know, that, that helped me really learn about where I was compared right. to right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, journal, journaling is important. Let's get to a couple questions and comments. Hey, if you guys any, have any um, questions or comments for Teresa, make sure you put them in the comment box. We're going to get to some now. We're talking with Teresa Tommy about Tommy about her latest book, Listening for God. Um, this one here is not re relates so much to the content, but probably earlier on what we were saying. Well, let me get the Jess. Jess is relating to um, your husband. Yeah, over out analysis. <laughs> <I can relate>. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. yeah uh. That's good. I tease and, um, my husband a lot about that, but that's a that's a beautiful gift that he has because I'm more like the uh the, you know, a very, you know, artistic type and free thinker and whatnot. My husband is like structure. So God put us together and it's a real nice balance. And when we give our testimony, I say the Lord put us together for a mere form of entertainment for himself <laughs> because we're so opposite. I mean, like, <laughs> but it, we balance each other out really well. Yeah, that is great. I never thought about thinking. My wife and I, we were like, like, like night and day, but somehow we work. Yes, so, exactly. I never right. thought that was a form of entertainment for God. That's, that's, that's. Yeah. Sit back and watch, you know, how are they going to figure this one out? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. 
And um, Via says earlier she's coming earlier. Faith will will see us through. Yes, you know, she's coming yes. earlier. When you're you're first talking about what's going on in the world, mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, Fran Hood says I'm seeing comments that Catholics are having a problem with EW10 not standing up to the catechism. It seems just recently. I hate to hear this, as my mother, while on this earth, was glued to EW10 and got me watching it, and it turned. And learn so much about my faith. I hope the ETN are, are staying on the straight and narrow for Mother Angelica's sake, specifically for people having problems with EWTN Newsline. Do you have any comment about that? Teresa? I, you know, I'm not sure. I wish she could be a little bit more specific because I'm not sure to what she's referring because we have a very um, strict policy to EWTN. Every book interview I do, for example, has to go through the editorial team. So I just can't pick a book off the shelf. Not that I would because, you know, I'm an, I'm an experienced journalist. So I have a lot I have a lot of training in that area in terms of discerning interviews and how to approach them. But I, I can't interview uh, any author who writes to me and says, well, this is a great book. I want to be on the air, even if I know that person. EW10 even has to go through my books and I'm one of their hosts. So it's, it's very, they're very, very careful about what we put on the air. And in terms of the catechism, I mean, we are all about the faith. I, I, I wouldn't work there if, if we weren't the same with Ave Maria radio. So, um, you know, I, I'm not sure what, to what she's referring, but I can assure you that from my perspective as a Catholic talk show host, that's co-produced. My show is co-produced by Ave Maria EW10. Uh, they are very careful. And we also have to send in our list of guests uh, to them prior to the show. So they look at it and you know, they want to make sure that we have people on the show that are upholding the pieces of the church. And that goes for our authors as well. Hmm. <coughs> Man, that's very interesting. I knew, I knew about the book part, um, but I didn't know that. Um, so there's a lot of layers of protection there. Yeah. Well, there has to be because of what we do, because we're teaching the faith and we want to make sure that we are following the teachings of the church. It doesn't mean that we're not going to um, interview different voices. Sometimes we we may allow, and not on my show, because I think, quite, quite frankly, that those people who have the voices who are against church teaching, you have enough coverage and they get a lot of free coverage. And, and I think we have to educate. Uh, there might be a situation where they may bring someone, not on my show, but someone to maybe to debate a topic. But that even then, I think they're very, very careful to make sure that if they are debating, they're going to be talking about it in a way that, that upholds the church teaching and doesn't say, a particular church teaching is wrong. They may debate about the application. Okay, what's the best way to do this? What's the best way to do that? But it's never going to be anything to promote something against church teaching. It's just, it's, that's not what the network's about. The network is about upholding the faith. Yeah, yeah. and I would say the same thing to friend that, yeah, I kind of heard like the opposite rather than EWC. Yeah, most people are usually telling us that we're, that we're too Catholic. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. Which I don't understand how anybody can be too Catholic. You know, <laughs> the whole thing about liberal Catholic and conservative Catholic drives me nuts. We are Catholic. Okay. We're supposed to do our best to uphold all the teachings of the church. Right. Right. And um, I wanted to go through your website real quick for people who want to know more about you, where to find you. And I wanted to, you just to um, guide us through for a moment here. Sure. Well, on the homepage, you see uh, the various sections where I have my books and I have about Teresa and you can, there's a whole page that has all of my different books on it. And there's also a link there to the show. So everything that I do is um, connected on that website. So you can go there and you can link to either EW Chan or Ave Maria Radio. 
You can link to my Facebook page. You can link to uh, background information. Even the radio show will actually give you updates um, daily on what's coming up on the program. And then there's an event section where you can find out about my speaking events. And then also something new that we've done, um, that there's a separate website, but there's a link to it as well. In the last year, actually in 2019, I began a new part of my ministry. I've been doing pilgrimages for quite a while, but I started a new travel consultation business all about Italy pilgrimage. And it's called TravelItalyExpert.com and Tease Italy. And so what I do is I do personal cons consultations for Catholics and others who want to have an authentic experience in Italy because that I'm so drawn to Italy, not only because of my heritage, but because well, my Italian heritage, but also my faith heritage. And I got addicted to the country very quickly on my first trip there over 20 years ago. And I've been there over 50 times with things related to work, whether it's covering something for the network or on my own in a trip with my husband or hosting a pilgrimage. And so I've done a lot of research and I help people decide how to best go about seeing so much in Italy. And in 2019, we started it, it was booming. I was doing personal consultations three or four times a week, but then obviously with COVID, you know, travel shut down, but it's starting to slowly pick up again when people are thinking of traveling again. And then we'll also have two pilgrimages that we'll be posting very soon on the website that we'll be doing uh, in the fall. We're doing a couple's trip to Rome and Tuscany, and then we're doing a women's trip. So that's coming up. And oh, great. So I'm glad you're getting back on the oceans and the seas again. And, and yes, please land. God. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And I noticed in my email this morning, I had uh, email emails from MSC Cruise and Carnival Cruise. Um, everyone's trying to get people out there. It looks like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think people are itching to travel. And and, and I think, you know, I have traveled. My husband and I did go on vacation in, um, where did we go? We went to Florida in September. And I'll tell you what, the airports and the airlines are doing a great job. So if people feel comfortable and they're not in one of those vulnerable categories, they should feel confident in traveling because the airlines are, are doing a great job of keeping us safe, as are the airports. And, you know, we, we had a wonderful time. We went down to visit friends again in December. And I, I, I love to travel. And um, I think as long as we follow the rules and, you know, use the social distancing and do what they ask us to do, I think I think it's fine. But I'm, I'm hoping that will open up again because people need we need to see the world. The world's a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely true. Teresa Tamio, thanks for so much for coming it's on. To nice to meet you. You gotta come on my show now. Yeah, if I, if I could pass the EWTN screening, I would love to. <laughs> I'll put in a good word for you. All right. How's that? <laughs> I appreciate it. Make sure you guys get Teresa Tamio's book, Listening for God, and make sure you tune into her every weekday on uh, Ave Maria's Catholic Connection and visit her website at teresatamio.com to find out more about what she's doing. Thanks again, Teresa. Yes, and get the book. Yay! As you said, get the book. It's really there it good. Is. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ty. Bye bye. Bye. Hi, everybody. Thank you for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also, be sure to check out the content you've missed. If you'd like to keep supporting my work, consider joining my team on Patreon, where you'll be gifted great perks like books, hoodies, and mugs. Thanks again.